Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 19 from the World English Bible. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found certain disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with other languages and prophesied. They were about twelve men in all. He entered into the synagogue and spoke boldly for a period of three months, reasoning and persuading about the things concerning God's kingdom. But when some were hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all those who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. God worked special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were carried away from his body to the sick, and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out. But some of the itinerant Jews, exorcists, took on themselves to invoke over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. There were seven sons of one Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who did this. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived at Ephesus. Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Many also of those who had believed came, confessing and declaring their deeds. Many of those who practiced magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They counted their price and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing and becoming mighty. Now after these things had ended, Paul determined in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Having sent into Macedonia two of those who served him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no small disturbance concerning the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen, whom he gathered together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, you know that by this business we have our wealth. 
You see and hear that not at Ephesus alone, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are no gods that are made with hands. Not only is there danger that this our trade come into disrepute, also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be counted as nothing, and her majesty destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worships. When they heard this, they were filled with anger, and cried out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The whole city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, his companions in travel. When Paul wanted to enter into the people, the disciples didn't allow him. Certain also of the Asiarchs, being his friends, sent to him and begged him not to venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. Most of them didn't know why they had come together. They brought Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Alexander beckoned with his hand and would have made a defense to the people. But when they perceived that he was a Jew, all with one voice for a time of about two hours cried out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. When the town clerk had quieted the multitude, he said, You man of Ephesus, what man is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great goddess Artemis and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Seeing then that these things can't be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here, who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a matter against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them press charges against one another. But if you seek anything about other matters, it will be settled in the regular assembly. For indeed, we are in danger of being accused concerning today's riot, there being no cause. Concerning it, we wouldn't be able to give an account of this commotion. When he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. That is the end of chapter 19. We know from Acts chapter 18, verse 24, that Apollos was just in Ephesus, but now he's gone over to Corinth that talked about that. And we also know from Acts 18, 19, that Paul was in Ephesus previously, so now he's coming back. In Paul's interaction with this about 12 men, as it mentioned in verse 7, he had talked with them enough that somehow he knew to check that they understood the full gospel. They had already believed something, perverse too, but perverses four and five, they had not heard the complete gospel. And this is similar to Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verse 25, where he knew things concerning Jesus, but not completely. So now they hear the whole gospel because they were already grounded in believing God. So the next steps were quickly accepted. And again, in this case, there was a laying on of hands for the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other languages, and they prophesied. In verse 8, it tells us that Paul goes into the synagogue, and again, referring back to Acts 18, verses 19 and 20, they had asked him to stay, but he said he wouldn't that time, but now he has come back, and he stays there for three months, 
persuading until those who become hardened, who harden themselves against it and are disobedient to what they are hearing, are making it impossible to continue. And so he separates the disciples and goes to the school of this guy named Tyrannus, where he teaches and preaches for two years. And this appears to have gotten the message of Jesus out to all of Asia. And recall, this is a port city, so that would be a good reason for that happening. In verse 11, it says there were unusual miracles happening through Paul. So these things are corroborating that what Paul is speaking about the gospel is true. Yes, God wants to heal people. He likes to do things. He tells us to pray. But recall, as another example, Jesus telling the lame man that his sins are forgiven and that making the religious leaders mad. And so he does the miracle to show that he has the power to forgive sins. So this is similar to what is happening with Paul. Those involved obviously know the message is getting around that these miracles are happening through Paul. And so it is very clearly associated with his message. Verse 13 makes it clear that just saying the name of Jesus is not a magic word. These traveling religious Jews did not have a relationship with or represent Jesus the Christ. There are two places in the New Testament that are pertinent and useful in evaluating this. The first is Matthew 12, 27. Jesus is responding to an accusation about him being of Satan to cast out demons. And he says, well, then how do your people cast out demons? So this shows us that this was going on previously. And then in Mark 9.38, there is someone who is described as working miracles in Jesus' name. And here, the disciples are upset because he is not part of their group. But in this case, Jesus does not reprimand, and, and it seems that the miracles are working because he indicates that this person is working out of some level of belief and is not far from the kingdom of God. And so he's not upset about it at all. Whereas the contrast to what is happening with these Jews in Acts 19, verse 13, is that they're not seeking Jesus, they're not seeking truth, and there needs to be a distinction made that they are not preaching the gospel or representing it. People need to pay attention to what Paul is saying. And here we have also the precise description of who was involved here, these seven sons of Siva. It is rather sobering that this man possessed by an evil spirit could beat up these seven men so well that they escaped naked and wounded. So this demon-possessed man had what we would call superhuman strength, which if you study this kind of phenomena at all, you realize that one of the draws to being involved with this is the draw of power. People like the power they think they have, but then you see over and over that In truth, even though this power masquerades as light, it is a destructive power, as is shown in this story. And it's also good to remember that this man is demon-possessed because he opened himself up to this. And again, the result, the distinctions are made clear. There is appropriate fear, and the name of Jesus is magnified. Because these things are well-known, Luke is not telling about things that nobody's heard about before. In the Blue Letter Bible Dictionary, the word magnified has some descriptions that I think are helpful. It says, shown as great, esteemed highly, received glory, and celebrated. So all of that was happening about the name of Jesus. And it seemed to also be causing a maturity and purity in the new believers' faith and hearts because they get right to business of abandoning their magical arts and destroying the things that were used as resources. 
Now, if you look in the World English Bible note for verse 19, it says that 50,000 pieces of silver might have been drachmas, and if so, it was worth about 160 man-years of labors in agricultural wages of the day. And then a note in David Gusick's commentary said that you could estimate that in today's money as being between $1 and $5 million. So this was a very clear indication of their devotion to Jesus Christ and their belief in the gospel and the saving of their souls. In verse 21, Paul makes plans in the Spirit. In different translations, capitalize or don't capitalize in the Spirit. It's not completely clear to me whether the Holy Spirit was telling him or whether it was just something burning in his own heart. But if you reference Romans 15.25, it talks about him taking contributions from Macedonia and Asia to Jerusalem, and also 1 Corinthians 16.1-10 through 10, uh, similarly references this. Then we get to verses 23 to 27, and we see the corruption of men due to their love of money. I'm sure each of you can think of many examples in our current world where this happens, where people deceive and lie and keep power, use power because of their love of money, um, not because they're seeking truth in any way. It is interesting that Paul is restrained by the other followers of the way from going into the thick of this violent mob. On one hand, it's interesting to see how he doesn't just say, no, let me do whatever I want. He pays attention to them. On the other hand, when we were discussing it in our fellowship, the question came up whether or not these other followers were being appropriate with this, or if they should have let Paul do that. There's nothing really said in the text about that, whether this was a good decision or a bad decision. And then in verse 35, we have this worldly wise town clerk who calms down the crowd. But keep in mind that even though we are given his dialogue here, he is not speaking the word of God. He's just speaking politically and diplomatically to sway the mob. Um, first of all, there was no image that fell down from Zeus. Even historically, extra-biblically, they say that there was an image found there, and then the story somehow got around that it fell down from Zeus. And you can see someone like Demetrius spreading that story for his own wealth. And then the town clerk says, they're not blasphemers of your goddess. And they are. They're saying that she is nothing by default as they're claiming who Jesus Christ is the only way. On the other hand, he is right that the Christians are not robbers of temples and that Demetrius and his crowd there, his gang, have no real criminal charges to bring against them. And under Roman rule, if a crowd gets out of control like that, the Romans might come in and be pretty violent with them. So the town clerk is is looking out for the well-being of the Ephesians at this point. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 